Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Most of you know who I am. If you don't know who I am, uh, Jeremy pretty much introduced me. My name's Travis. Uh, I get the great opportunity to work for the Assemblies of God as the District U40 director, basically anywhere from birth to 40 years old. Uh, We help resource and lead. Uh, And then I also recently have stepped in as the next gen director here for the Dover location over our youth and our kids. And so I get to serve uh, the church that we love so much. Uh, You still don't get to see me that much because I'm still a super busy dude, but I do my best to get here when I can. Uh, But it is absolutely a blessing to be here. And it's really cool that Pastor Nate trusts me enough to open up this series, We Are Restoration. Uh, I've, I've said time and time again, restoration is our church, restoration is our family. Uh, we, even when I worked for another church, we always watched restoration online and we were a part of what restoration was doing because we believed in Pastor Nate, we believed in his vision for New England, and we believed in what restoration was doing. And so it's always been a blessing to be a part of it and just see restoration grow Um, At that time, it was just Dover, and now it's Dover and Plymouth and Milton and Bethlehem and soon-to-be Restoration Recovery, and who knows what's next. But for a lot of you that are here, maybe you've been here from the very beginning, or maybe this is your first week, but maybe you still don't fully know what makes Restoration, Restoration. Why, Why is Restoration different than the church down the street? Uh, why do you come to restoration? Why, like, who, who is restoration? Well, that's the point of the series that we're entering in. It's called We Are Restoration. Uh, you know, I think Pastor Jeremy already talked about it. There is a Facebook group by the same name. So if you want to jump in that Facebook group, um, that is who we are. That's where we do community together. So where we pray for one another uh, and we share in victories with one another. But over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the things who we are, and why we are. And so, as he said, we're going to be talking about together as a church, but also as part of something bigger. Because I don't know if you know this, maybe, once again, you're new here, or maybe you just haven't heard it said before, but we are part of what's called the Assemblies of God. Uh, the Assemblies of God is, uh, is not a denomination. Maybe you're in here and you're like, well, uh, first off, I didn't know I was going to a church that was part of a de- denomination. You're not. Don't worry. Um, but the Assemblies of God is what's called a cooperative fellowship. So it's different in a few ways. The denomination has intense oversight over their churches. Um, Assemblies of God has uh, oversight over them. We resource them, but we do not dictate what they can or cannot do um, once they get to a certain amount of people and they get to a certain stage. Uh, restoration is beyond that stage. Restoration for, for all purposes and intents, is an independent church within the assemblies of God. So restoration has the ability to do as they please, how they please, up to a certain point, and then that's when the assemblies of God comes, comes into play, and, and we help resource and, and just be 
partners together. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is, is our partnership with the Assemblies of God, how we fit into that, how you fit into restoration, and then how it all just fits into the kingdom of God as a whole. And so being part of the Assemblies of God, as you heard, I am the uh, District U40 director. I, I, I literally work for the Assemblies of God. And so I say that to say that I will have some biases all right, I, there will be things that I will fight to the death about the Assemblies of God, um, but I can tell you that I, I'm not biased towards the organization. I'm biased towards what the or, organization represents and what the organization offers. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear, hear a little bit about my story and, and how that plays into the Assemblies of God with Pastor Nate as well and restoration. But I just say that to say this, as we talk throughout this morning, I want all of us, no matter what location you're in, to, to ask ourselves, how can we be a part of what God's doing here in New Hampshire? How can we be a part of what God's doing with the restoration with the Assemblies of God in New England? How can we be a part of what God is doing throughout the entirety of the kingdom of God? So there's two things, two primary things that I want us to uh, focus on and talk about when it comes to being part of the Assemblies of God, when it comes to being part of restoration and, and, and having this idea of being together. And that's fellowship and accountability. Fellowship and accountability. These go hand in hand. This is, is one of the great parts of being Assemblies of God. This is one of the great parts of, of, of being at restoration is fellowship and accountability. These two are, are not one and the same. They are different, but you really can't have one without the other. And this is why. Fellowship without accountability is nothing more than a friendship. Fellowship without accountability is nothing more than a friendship. And I'm not even talking a deep friendship. I'm talking like your base Facebook level friendship, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I've got 2,500 friends on Facebook. I don't think I've ever met 25% of those people, ever. In fact, 10% of those people are health coaches that saw an overweight dude on the profile picture, added him and said, hey, you want me to help you lose weight? All right, it's true. Don't, I got attacked, all right? But it's true. Half my friends, I don't know. And, and fellowship without accountability is that. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's a base level friendship. Maybe you know their name, maybe you don't. We need accountability in the fellowship that we have with each other, with the churches, with the kingdom of God. And likewise, accountability without fellowship is nothing more than a dictatorship. Accountability without fellowship is nothing more than a dictatorship. You know, what I love about this Assemblies of God, what I love about being a part of restoration is the amount of accountability that exists. But if all it was was that, if all it was was, hey, do this, don't do that. Hey, you, should, you shouldn't be doing this or you should be doing that. If that's all it was, we'd get tired of it real quick. You know, uh, there's a lot of teenagers in here that are looking at their parents right now being like, yeah, I'm tired of it. <laughs> but your parents have a relationship with you. So your parents are right in line with where I'm going this morning. But accountability needs fellowship. Fellowship needs accountability. These are two things that go hand in hand in our lives as Christians and in our lives as churchgoers and our lives as, as being part of the kingdom of God. These are two things that, that definitely go 
hand in hand with one another. One of the biggest things I've, I've ever heard, um, and, I, and I say it all the time, and it's, it's this, is that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I saw some people mouthing that. You've heard that before. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and, and that's where that accountability with fellowship, meeting somewhere in the middle, working hand in hand, working tandem together comes into play because you're, you're caring and you're knowing. You're caring and you're knowing. You're knowing and you're caring. It's not one or the other. And so this morning, I really want to focus on both of these, uh, these aspects, fellowship and accountability. I, I believe there are three different aspects to fellowship but before we jump into it, just let me uh, take a moment and pray for this church, pray for you guys and all of our locations. Lord, we thank you that we are restoration. Lord, we thank you that, that you have brought us here to be a part of what you want to do in, in Dover and Milton and Plymouth and Bethlehem, Lord, and through restoration recovery. God, we thank you for the leadership of this church and the vision of this church and what, where you're taking us. God, we pray over, the, over this next few minutes and over these next few weeks, as we really dive into who we are, Lord, may you show us how we can be a part of what you're doing here in a greater way and in a new way. Open our eyes and our hearts to listen and hear what it is that you want, us to, what you want to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I'm, I'm going to talk about fellowship and accountability. The, the first thing I want to talk about, though, is fellowship, because no one likes to talk about accountability. And you're la if you're laughing, you know it's true. Like accountability hurts, but we're going to get to it. All right. We're going to get to the pain. But right now, let's let's focus on on, on the good stuff, the fellowship. Everyone enjoys fellowshipping. Unless you're like a, a like super introvert and you don't even like looking at people, then you're probably not in this room or at one of our churches right now, uh, and that's okay. But most people like fellowship. Most people like being around people. And so, so I want to take a moment and just look at what the Bible says about fellowship. When I say the word fellowship, when, when, when I talk about meeting together, there's probably a verse that pops in your mind right away. It's most likely Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and it says this. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is a verse that gets spoken about time and time again when it comes to fellowshipping with one another, meeting together. And, and, and what I love is when people use this and they say, well, I went to church today, so I fellowshiped. I went to church, so I, we met together. I, I'm, I'm obeying the Bible. I'm not forsaking meeting together. I'm not neglecting it. I went to church. But I'm here to tell you this morning that fellowship and meeting together are so much deeper than that. It's not just about going to church. Otherwise, Paul would have said here, hey, let us not go to church. He'd say, hey, remember to go to church. But he doesn't say that. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together. Other translations say, let us not neglect fellowshipping together. And there's a reason why he says the words he says. And so I want to break down just three aspects. And, and, and there's more. You know, I, I could be here literally all day. But I'm sure most of you don't want that. All right. But I could be here all day breaking down what fellowship looks like, what accountability looks like. But I'm just going to focus on three aspects. 
And once again, the apostle Paul uh, talks about fellowshipping a lot. He talks about accountability a lot because the, the apostle Paul was really kind of tasked with helping lead the early church. All right, you got Peter, Paul, James, John. They were all kind of tasked with, with leading the early church as, as, as they would you know, kind of drift over here or drift over there. And, and Paul would be like, hey, 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 let's kind of keep the main thing the main thing. Let's, let's focus in. Let's, let's do our best to, to serve God the way he wants. And so we're really going to focus in on Romans and, and what Paul speaks to the Roman church. I'll be in three different chapters throughout Romans, but, but this first one is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. Uh, we'll have them here on the screen. But verse 9 says this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And it ends with bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. That last one really hurts me deep, uh, but that's okay. Uh, within these few verses, nine through 16, are aspects of fellowship that we receive as a church from our affiliation with the Assemblies of God, but it's also aspects that we should be doing as a church together and as individuals with one another. The first one, verse nine and 10, we love together. We love together. Verse nine and 10, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. If you're in this room and you've given your heart to Christ and you've given your life to God, you know what true love is. Because you serve a God that chose to send his only son to a broken world, to live a perfect life, to ultimately die on a cross, a death that he didn't deserve for people that didn't deserve it. We know what true love is. We know how to love. But what we have to ask ourselves is, are we loving? The key to true fellowship is this, it's love. Because love causes us to care more about someone else than it does about ourselves. There is no selfishness in love. I could go on a whole nother message with 1 Corinthians 13, all about what love is, but I don't feel like I have to do that this morning. You know what love is. Love is not selfish. We take the selfish ambition out of it because it's not about what we can get, but it's about what can we do for others. The second thing is we serve together. We serve together. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I wish I would have found a translation with a smaller word, but that's okay. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 
we serve together. Loving, if we truly love, that's going to spur us on to wanting to serve one another. If, 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 if we truly have love in our heart, that's going to cause us to want to go and serve one another. Serving is paramount. Serving is, is, is what makes the difference between just checking that box and coming in on a Sunday and actually being a part of the church. You know, I think we have this mindset sometimes where we come to church and we check that box and say, oh, I, I came on Sunday morning. Things are good. I'm not neglecting meeting together. But we have to realize that this church, restoration, the church, does not exist for us. This, this building isn't here just for us to come and sit in and listen to a, a funny pastor, a dude with a mustache. You know, does he still have his mustache? He hasn't shaved it, right? I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not for us just to come enjoy a Sunday morning and then move on. In fact, if that's all we're doing, we're going to miss out on what God can do with our church. Because if we're all in here sitting, listening, there's not going to be any chairs left eventually. But if we all say, hey, let's do something about this. Let's go and serve. And we get up out of our seats. We go out and we serve. God opens up the church, opens up our capabilities to reach Dover, to reach Plymouth, to reach Milton, to reach Bethlehem through our ability to serve. We serve enthusiastically, not because we have to, but because we want to. And I, I know that some people in here, you may be saying, well, Travis, I don't, there's not a place for me to serve. That's a lie. I can tell you right now, as the next gen director here in Dover, there is definitely a place for you to serve. And, and it, the people that are laughing know that in our kids, in our youth, they need us. Not to be babysitters. Not to make sure a kid doesn't poke another kid's out with a pair of scissors. That's going to happen anyways. I'm just kidding. Your kids are safe. <laughs> but they need us to raise up the next generation. If we want to see restoration last for the next 10, 15, 20 years, we need to go serve the next generation. Maybe you're in here and you're like, yeah, but Travis, like kids are not my thing. I get it. I understand. They're not really my thing either. Don't tell anyone I said that. <laughs> but there's other places for you to serve. Opening a door, the coffee spot, prayer team, the worship team. Shout out to, to, to our new drummer and, and keyboardist. I think this Sunday was our first Sunday. Way to go, guys. Serving. I was here in Dover. I don't know who you guys had in Plymouth or the other locations, but here in Dover, we had new, new people on the band. But we're just super excited for, for what God is doing and opening up these areas for people to serve. And it's so important that we serve. We love together. We serve together. And this last key, Pastor Jeremy kind of touched on it this morning. He had no idea where I was going with this. But this last key about fellowship, about true fellowship, it's not just about loving and serving, but we laugh and cry together. We laugh and cry together. We can love each other and we can serve each other all day long, but if we're not there for each other when things are going great or when things are going terrible, what's the point? We laugh 
and cry together. Verse 14, 15, and 16, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Or as Pastor Jeremy said this morning, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. You know, I've had the great experience here at this church to experience this verse vividly. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It was about six months ago that I spoke the last time. And it was during that message that I shared with you for the second time, just the struggles and the frustrations that my wife and I were having in, in getting pregnant and in, in having our own child. It had been years and years and years, and, and we were just getting frustrated and angry and mad. And, it, and I cried here on the stage. Some of you were like, you made me cry, and I apologize for that. But so many of you came up to me afterwards to offer prayer, to offer support, to weep with us as we were weeping. And this is the great thing about this verse. It doesn't just say weep with those who weep. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. So if you're not one of the 2,500 friends I have on Facebook, first off, why not? <laughs> Secondly, I'm extremely, extremely excited to announce that our first son, Noah Trent Nicholson, will be here on September 12th of this year. And we rejoice for that fact, and we rejoice for the other babies that are being born, but we also weep for those that are not. We weep for those that have been lost. We rejoice and we weep. It's not and or, it's both. We rejoice and weep with those. I'm super excited, but my heart is broken for the Larson family. I'm rejoicing and I'm weeping because we're in fellowship together. We love together, we serve together, we laugh and we cry together. These three aspects can be found in our affiliation with the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God, the, the district of Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, it does not exist for itself. That makes no sense. It literally exists for the churches. If there were no local churches in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, we wouldn't have a district office, guaranteed. We exist for the local church. We exist for the pastors in our district. And it's through that, that, that we see love and we see serving. There's so many opportunities to serve. Youth camp and kids camp being one of them coming up this summer. Restoration sends a slew of teenagers and kids and servants to lead those students and kids. And other churches from across the district do the same. The district puts it on, but our leaders serve at it. We love and cry together. Some of you know my story. I've shared it here probably multiple times, and I'm sure Pastor Nate's probably sick of me sharing it, but I'm going to keep sharing it because it's important to me, and, and I hope it's a little important to him too. Um, before I was the district youth director, Pastor Nate was the district youth director. I was a youth pastor in just some random town up in the middle of nowhere, Maine. And it was there that I found myself just fr frustrated 
in ministry and life. And I remember I had, I think I texted him or called him up or something. And I said, Hey man, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I miss my family. I'm from Georgia. For those that don't know, all my family's still down there. You know, I miss my family. I'm, I'm done. And he said, well, you're not going to leave. In fact, you're going to meet me right now. And I said, okay, where are you at? And he said, meet me at the IHOP in Portland. Uh, not, not IHOP, Denny's. Um, IHOP would have been a little better, but I guess he couldn't splurge. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but he said, meet me at the Denny's in Portland. And I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so I get to this Denny's and, you know, we order our food, our drinks, whatever. And I just start crying just uncontrollably. I mean, that's not hard for me to do. You guys know this. I cry at the drop of a hat, but I'm just crying, crying, crying. He's sitting there letting me cry and crying with me and offering advice. And he would not let me leave that table until I was okay. And that's what being part of the Assemblies of God is. When I came in as a district youth director, I said, I want to be just like Nate. I want to be just like Pastor Nate. I want to be there for the moment someone needs me. And I've done my best to do that. If one of our leaders needs us, I drop whatever I'm doing, if I can. There was one time I had a, a youth pastor call me up and he said, hey, I, I, I think I'm done. I was in the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And I said, okay, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Give me two days. I'm gonna get back and then we're gonna meet. And he said, okay, I'll give you two days, but that's it. And I said, fine. We got back from our vacation and I hit the road and I met him up and he's still pastoring. And that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Pastor Nate. It has to do with the fellowship that we've built and the importance that we put on love and serving and laughing and crying together. But it's not just about fellowship, right? Because that would just be a bunch of friendships, but it's about accountability. And so the, the second aspect of this that I want to look at is accountability. In, in, in the same book of Romans, same place that Paul talks about fellowship, he talks about accountability. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 and 13 say this. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. There were three aspects to fellowship. I believe there's just two simple aspects to accountability. The first one is easy. We're accountable to God. We're accountable to God. Verse 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. That's cut and dry. We know that in this life, we are accountable to our Father. We're accountable to our Savior. We're accountable to our Lord, who has sacrifice for us, who has given to us, who has blessed us. Every decision we make, every choice we decide on, we will be accountable for those at some point in our life. But this is what I love about God, right? He's not just this, this big bully up in the sky that's like, you have to do things the way I want you to do them, this, that, A, B, C, D, and we have to be like, yes, sir. No, he's not like that because he wants that fellowship with us. He wants that relationship with us. Accountability without fellowship is just a dictatorship. My God's not a dictator. Most of the time, God tells me to do something, and if I'm being honest with you guys, I do the opposite. If you're being honest in this room, you probably do too. 
He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get mad. There are typically consequences to those actions. That's what accountability is all about. There's typically things that I have to deal with in my life because I chose poorly or made the wrong decision. But for the most part, he welcomes me back with open arms. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't fight me. He lets me lay it all down again and again and again. There's accountability with fellowship. The second thing is we're accountable to each other. We're accountable to God and we're accountable to each other. Now, this is on a much lesser state, okay? I don't need anyone walking out of here this morning being like, Pastor Travis told me I'm God. That's not what I'm saying. All right, we're accountable to God. And then like way down here, you can't even see my hand, we're accountable to each other. All right, I just wanna make that clear. We're accountable to God and we're accountable to each other. And, and this is what I mean by that, right? Verse 13 says, so let us stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Live in such a way that you won't cause someone to stumble and fall. Well, what's the opposite of stumbling and falling? It's building and encouraging. So he's saying, don't live in such a way that you make someone stumble and fall. So we need to take from that that we need to live in such a way to build and encourage. One of the greatest ways to do that is through accountability. Realizing that we make our own decisions, but we also have to hold each other accountable with those decisions. Is it the right decision? Is it the right choice? I can tell you right now, if you're married in here, you know what I'm about to say. You know, yes, God sets us on the right path, but if, if God can't do it, our wife is right there to slap us into place. All right. You know, it's true. Husbands, you know, it's true. There's been so many times where I have fought what God wanted for me. And my wife has had to like grab me by the face and shake me and say, listen, listen to him. I'm talking to you now. Listen to me. And has had, I've had to answer to her. I've had to answer to God. I've had to answer to other people whatever actions I've chosen, whatever paths I've gone on. Being together, being in fellowship includes being accountable to one another. This is where being part of the AG really, really comes into play, is that accountability piece. They are not dictators. They don't tell us as a church what we can and cannot do, but they empower us and they free us to do what it is that God's called us to do. And we know that we have a backing and a covering and a security above us. Let me give an example, right? So if this was a strictly independent church, right? just, just Pastor Nate planted this church, he's in charge, there's no elder, no board, because independent churches can run like that. If he was like, I am the man in charge, I'm not accountable to anyone, he could pick up one day, close the doors of the church, sell every building, pocket the money, and move to Maldives. Uh, now, he has no plans to do that. All right, let me reassure everyone. But if he did, if he said, you know what, I'm tired of the New Hampshire winners, I'm moving to Maldives. I don't even know where Maldives is, it popped in my head. But I'm moving to Maldives. The AG would step in and say, well, <laughs> you can move to the Maldives, but you're not taking the churches with you. 
You can make the choice that you want to make. You can make the decisions you want to make, but these churches are going to stay safe. And we're not going to let what God's been doing in this church stop because one person decided to do something different. Accountability matters. Once again, Romans chapter 13, verse one, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. We submit to a governing authority. For, for us as a church, it's the assemblies of God. For you as a church member, it's the leadership of this church, it's the board of this church that we submit to. But I wanna make something very, very clear here. When Paul uses the word submit here, it's not blind obedience. It's not just saying yes to everything that happens. In fact, this is the very same word, all right? The Greek word for submit that he uses here is the very same word that he uses when he instructs wives to submit to their husbands. Some husbands are gonna be really upset with me because wives, you do not have to blindly obey your husbands. Husbands, you do not have to blindly, actually, no, you do need to blindly obey your wife. I'm gonna... I got you, babe. <laughs> but it's not about blind obedience. It's about honor and respect for the positions that God has placed people in, honoring and respecting those above us, saying, look, we trust you. But that comes with fellowship. That comes with love. That comes with serving. That that honor and respect can happen. So you see how fellowship and accountability they work hand in hand together. You know, I, as I talked about Pastor Nate with fellowship, he's also held me accountable more times than I can count. That same, that same time at Denny's, when he wouldn't let me get up until, until I agreed to stay, it's because I told him I was moving back to Georgia. And he held my feet to the fire and he said, God, where has God called you? To New England. Okay then why are you leaving? Well, because I miss my family. Yeah, okay, I understand that, but why are you leaving? Well, because, you know, houses are cheaper down there. Okay, well, why are you leaving? Well, because I'm, I'm just sad. Okay, why are you leaving? Because I'm angry. Okay, why are you leaving? Because of this, because of that. Pushing back every, everything. I, anytime I had an excuse, he somehow had a way to fight it. It's like he knew what he was doing or something. <laughs> and some of you have experienced that, whether it be with Pastor Nate or Pastor Jeremy or other pastors in our church. Accountability is not fun. That's why I saved it for last. Accountability is not easy. Having to say you're right, I'm wrong is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Ask my wife. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, if you, she Googles everything to make sure she's right. Um, but accountability is hard. It's not easy. We have to work at it. But if we have accountability without friendship or friendship without accountability, we're just going to be spinning our wills. And so as the band comes up across all the different locations, I want us to understand and notice that restoration doesn't exist by itself. 
You as a Christian do not exist by yourself. We were created, you were created to be in fellowship and accountability with one another and with God. The friendships, the relationships that are built over time matter. The accountability to make sure that we're on the right path at all times matters. Restoration gets to be a part of something bigger. You get to be a part of something bigger through that fellowship and accountability. A lot of our locations are byproducts of that fellowship and accountability because Nate has built relationships and friendships with the Assemblies of God and with the leaders of our district who then trust him to care for these churches that otherwise would be closed. But restoration gets the ability and opportunity to plant churches there, to change communities. And it's through fellowship and accountability. So wherever you are this morning, my prayer for you is that you're not doing this life alone and that you're not closed off to people in your life holding you accountable for things. Maybe you're in here and you just need to love more. Maybe you're not too great at loving. Maybe you're in here and you need to serve more. Maybe you've been coming to this church for years and you're still not serving. It's time to serve. Maybe you're in here and, and you need to cry and laugh with others more. You need to let those walls down. You need to let other people know when you're crying and when you're laughing so that they can laugh and cry with you. Or you need to be a person that they can come to and say, hey, I'm crying and I'm laughing. I need you to be with me. Or maybe you're in here and, and you're, you're great at fellowship. You love being around people. You love loving on people and serving with people and laughing and crying. That is what you do best. But the moment someone tries to come into your life and hold you accountable, you close up. You decide, nah, not me. I know what I'm doing. I don't need you in my life to hold me accountable. I don't need you in my life to, to speak encouragement and sometimes hard lessons to me. I don't need that. We have to understand that we submit ourselves to a greater authority. We honor and respect the pastors and leaders of this church. We honor and respect as the church honors and respects the assemblies of God. And, and as all together, we hold in reverence our father in heaven, who ultimately is the one that holds us accountable. My prayer for this church is as we navigate these next few weeks, as we talk about who we are, that we look at these areas. Are we truly being together? Are we truly fellowshipping with one another? Are we holding one another accountable? Because if we're not, we need to. And if we're not, we can start now and we can grow and we can strengthen. I believe that together we can grow. Together we can strengthen. 
because together we are restoration. God, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the leaders of this church. And I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives this morning, previous weeks, coming weeks, just being a part of this church, what you're doing, Lord. And right now, once again, Lord, we lift up those who are mourning and we mourn, mourn with them. And we lift up those who are rejoicing and we rejoice with them. God, strengthen us to fellowship more. Strengthen us to, to hold one another accountable, but ultimately strengthen us to be accountable to someone. Lord, may you have your way in our lives and in this church as we do our best to follow and serve you. The sky's the limit for restoration. Your plans for New Hampshire, Lord, no man knows, but we get to be a part of it. And we thank you for that. May you be with us, Lord, as we get ready to head out today. May you be with us throughout this week and all the weeks to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and worship?